Welcome to Milkmaid's Podcast. I'm Tara, your homesteader from Western Montana. And I'm Steph, a farmer from Western Wyoming, and we're your host of the Unconventional Homesteading Podcast. Hey, Tara. Hi, Stephanie. I feel like it's been forever, even though it's been... It really has, actually. What, like, two, well, two weeks, I guess. No, that's plenty of time. And for the first time ever, we had this outline kind of done ahead of time. And I was like, wait a second, what are we doing? Yeah. Wait, what happened last week? I completely week? forgot. <laughs> and then you said yeah. something about, oh, well, at least you have the one for next week done. And I was like, what are you talking about? What are we even doing? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. It's Summer's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like you just get so overwhelmed with everything else. Right. And, mm-hmm. Even if you start super early in the morning, you're just behind. Like you wake up yeah. behind in things that yeah. you have to do. It's super fun. Everyone yeah, should do always. this lifestyle. It's great. Always. And we're going to tell you how. We're going to tell you how because we're great at managing our time, obviously. <laughs> well, you know who is good at managing their time? Who? Uh, Vertical Harvest in Jackson, Wyoming. Jackson, so, Wyoming? This is our shout out this week. These guys are, or gals are right around the corner from us. And the building's so singing cool. Anyhow, it started by a couple people, but the main co-founders are Nonya Yeya, I hope I'm saying that right, and Caroline Croft. Este, is that how you would pronounce that? Yeah, that sounds about right. Please correct us if it's wrong. Always feel free to correct us. We want to get everyone's name correct. Yes, the best we can. Yes. So they have, it's the coolest thing. If you haven't been to Jackson, Wyoming, it's like the, I mean, people think of it as like out west, right? The wild, wild 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 west. west. Yes. Right. But it, and it is, but in aspects, it more resembles Seattle than the wild, wild west. Yeah. Like it is a wild west style town that is built into like four city blocks. It's like there's no room for anything. And it's, I mean, they call it Jackson Hole. Like the whole town sits into a hole. There's no more room to expand out. So these ingenious women who decided to be farmers said that they were going to do farming in Jackson where there is no land available. And how they did that was they built a vertical three-story greenhouse and it was actually the first vertical three-story greenhouse in the northern hemisphere which is pretty cool that is amazing the building itself it looks amazing when you go by yeah it. but anyhow um it's all hydroponic and they're doing all of this on a tenth of an acre and they're growing as much as a traditional 10 acre farm holy shit that's so impressive which is super impressive yeah so they grow mostly microgreens, lettuces, tomatoes, and even some edible flowers, which are always my favorite. So their operation replaces 100,000 pounds of produce that used to be trucked into the community, which is mind-blowing. The other cool thing about this hydroponic greenhouse system is that it is year-round production, which for those of you not familiar, like Jackson's routinely negative 20 for several yes. weeks in a row, if not way colder than that. And the fact that they're just cartoned tomatoes out of their building at january negative 20 is amazing well the other plus thing is when you grow like this you don't use any pesticides or herbicides there's zero in there because it's a controlled climate yeah totally so i mean we're farmers right like the produce is amazing we're so excited about that and everything that they do with that but here's the big thing to me is that they really strive to employ the underserved populations and I pulled this um, directly from their website, but by, so what they say is by underserved populations, we mean those who struggle to find meaningful work and upward mobility career opportunities. 
While a team in our flagship Jackson, Wyoming farm comprises community members with developmental disabilities, such as those with autism and Down syndrome, our model can work with other forgotten workforces, such as the formerly incarcerated citizens and immigrants seeking asylum. So I just, I mean, I'm always, that's kind of why we do these shout outs is. Yeah. I think. To shine light on people doing this kind of work. Especially, I know Jackson is pretty big, but Wyoming in general is a rural place. And I feel Mm -hmm. like as rural places just are, they exist. And then people just overlook people with different abilities. And I love that they are really reaching out to those people with different disabilities and just going for it and employing them. And this would be such a fun job for them. So half of their workforce is physically or intellectually disabled, which is awesome. So the bottom line here is that cities grow less than 2% of their food for their residents. And more than half of the developmentally disabled are unemployed in most urban areas. So by growing 40 acres worth of produce in a quarter acre vertical greenhouse and hiring this forgotten workforce to cultivate it, Vertical Harvest can help cities tackle both food and job insecurity, which is really, really amazing. And kind of the last thing too, is that they're working on this project in Maine to have an even bigger, even bigger greenhouse operation there to open in 2022 too so wow so they're really expanding yeah which i think they did this jackson thing and they were like hey this is working like this is a a model that suits us in the community and let's let's do it yeah. and i think that's so cool that's really beautiful so you can check them out at verticalharvestfarms.com they also have a documentary out called hearts of glass do they really yes other than i can't find where to watch the whole thing like you need to set up like a filming yeah party or something or not filming party viewing party yeah but they do have a really beautiful um trailer to that and we'll include the link to that in the show notes as well awesome so if you want to ask us questions you can reach out to me on instagram you can reach out to us on gmail at milkmaidspodcast at gmail.com please write us an email leave a review on itunes that super helps us out and If you have a shout out you have in mind, please let us know. We are looking for more shout outs and we really enjoy doing that. That's probably one of our most favorite parts of our podcast. So please reach out to us. So I did the icebreaker on this one too. We switched roles. I know we've like, I don't even know how to do a shout out. It's, (laughs) it's yes. Anyways, I did the icebreaker and here's the reason. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? That's like my main to do when I'm milking or doing chores or what have you. So I, one of the podcasts I really like, not that they need a shout out, but stuff you should know. They're like oh yeah flagship flagship in the podcasting world. They've yeah. been around for like a hundred years. They did an episode on February twenty third, and it's it was called "What Will Farming Four Look Like?" And I was like, oh, I just saw that in my feed. I was like, I better watch. I better listen to that one, right? And um, because they're two like Georgia Atlanta Georgia guys, right? And they cover all sorts of topics that are definitely not limited to agriculture by any means. So if you haven't checked them out, do it because it's really cool. There's like topics about literally anything you could think of, but kind of what they do, if you're not familiar, is they'll approach a topic and they're incredible researchers and incredible at presenting information to the masses, right? So they've, they can talk about complex thing and, and present it simply. They can talk about simple things and present it in an interesting fashion. So anyhow, they did this episode and while I was listening to it. I I was just thinking about it. And so I'm going to ask you this. If you could know for a fact that farming was done right at the commercial scale, 
Um, meaning there was, I mean, environmentally it was sound or beneficial even, that it was absolutely humane, there was no chemicals, no hormones, etc. Do you think you would still be a farmer? That is a really good question. And I, I feel like you could go so many ways with this. Like part of me is kind of scared of food security. So right. a really big part of it is making sure that my family always has food. So I can always put a pig yeah. in the freezer. I can always make sure I have that. Like, not that I think society is going to collapse, but we all know how rich people can be and they will be the first ones to hoard all of the food. But in an ideal world. Oh, I I mean, I love a prepper mindset. Yeah. I, I play that game all the time. I uh, love yeah. it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying, but. It is terrifying. Right. But then I'm, I feel like that's a lot of my drive to do it. So mm-hmm. besides just providing good food for myself and then also. With the dairy one, definitely, I would think about getting out of it if it were done correctly at scale. That would be so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just because it's so much work. But a lot of the reason I do produce dairy myself is because I feel like it's more ethical if I can provide that myself. And I love having the connection with the cow. I love making things like that. But it is so much time and effort. And it would be hard to justify it if you could get the exact same thing at scale. And yeah. So what about you? No, totally. Well, so, I mean, I, I got into it, into farming because I, for me, the humane issues in animal raising were the biggest thing on my heart. Yeah. I had learned about, I mean, I think everybody starts with, you know, you see the caged, cage free eggs. And then you're like, wait, what does that mean? You know, like, are some of them caged or like, it doesn't even dawn on you as a young vegetarian person, you know, right. Vegetarian heads. That's my favorite. Um, and you start down that rabbit hole and the next thing you know, we had chickens because like, that's, it's crazy out there. Right. Yeah. So, and then it's really easy to start that researching process. And then you learn how, you know, your chicken breasts that come on the little styrofoam thing, how they're made. Right. And that's terrifying. Even worse, I think, maybe. <laughs> and then you, you know, start learning about milk and start learning about that. So for me, it was, it definitely, my initial motivation was because I felt like, how could we be so cruel to these animals right. that give us so much? Yeah. And there's better ways to do it. I know for Brian, it was more about the chemical and like the wholesomeness of the food that we could produce versus what's out there and that you don't know what's in there. So for him, that was his motivation, right? And as we've gone along through this and I've gotten more secure in in how I am raising my animals and I know that I'm doing it humane, it has been, I definitely have moments where it's like, oh, I care about the chemicals. Oh, I care about the animals. And then like, yeah, I I obviously, I joke about it all the time, but I obviously have that like prepper mindset as well. Right. To some degree. So stubbornness. Anyhow. Yeah. But um, yeah, you should listen to this um, stuff you should know episode because it was like, I mean, it was in, in a nutshell, I was talking about like robots doing a lot of the farming, which sounds insane. Right. Right. And if you if you can disconnect yourself from like the fear of robots, what if robots take over the world? Yeah. Right. You know, because that's there. If you could pretend that that possibility would never exist. It's like a really cool, crazy concept. And I mean, we're already seeing it in the dairy world, right? right? And the use of robots, and and to some degree, have increased the benefit or increased the experience for the cow because she can just walk up to the door and get milked whenever she wants, you know, whenever she feels she needs to relieve that pressure, which, so there are some benefits to it for sure. But in talking about like crop products, like the the thought is that like a robot could go down like a row of corn or a row of strawberries and and weed by hands, or even if they decide to make them with spray, but just get that weed, that one weed right. that's right there amongst these 15 strawberries. 
and it would be so targeted that the strawberries would never be affected. So like the weeding's part of it, right? right? And if you're not using those chemicals, because when you spray a field, you're spraying what percentage of weeds versus what percentage of crop. Crop. Yeah. Right? Say say the field only has 5% weeds, but you just used all of that chemical for the hundreds of acres, right? Mm-hmm. Which is harmful at best. And then like another aspect of this was that they can harvest plants at the exact moment that they need harvested. So no waste. Like off of a stock of, yeah, off of a stock of corn, you take that one ear that's ready and leave the other three until they're ready, you know? That's amazing. And yeah, zero waste. So your the food availability would go significantly up as far as what could be produced on the same amount of land, right? right? And then like the last part, which is just mind blowing to me, which as I understand it, it's kind of like a, a theory at this point. This is not like real technology at this moment, but the thought is, is that one day we could have like a nano, nanobots that are like the size of atoms or DNA or whatever, like tiny micro bots. And they could deliver fertilizer to a specific plant based on exactly what it would need and deliver it directly into the root of the plant wow. or into the leaf of the plant or whatever it would need. And if you want to scare yourself, look at like the damage that fertilizer runoff goes into our water systems and stuff. It's just like some of this possible, some of this stuff if you take out the scary, you know what I mean? What if robots rule our world right. kind of thing? It's like, wow, this would be insane. Now, the part, you know, the part you don't like about that is that, well, if a robot can do the entire state of Illinois, you're going to have one farmer in Illinois, you know? Right. Um, That's all. Right. So there's that, you know what I mean? There's that aspect of it, too. But I just, I just thought it was an interesting concept that if we could do this without the chemicals and without the waste and without the all the harmful stuff that comes along with it. Could it be any better? Now, they were just talking mainly about uh, crops, not raising chickens, you know? Right. But anyways, I thought it was interesting. You guys should go listen to it. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you. So what have you been doing with your life since the last time I talked to you? <laughs> That's hard because I don't remember. Um, so as far as farming goes, I have notes from last week and right. I'll just try and make or two weeks ago and I'll try and make up what happened last week we sent our poor husbands who could have <laughs> literally married anybody in the entire world why did they choose us I don't understand um, you know it's hard to say we tricked them we tricked them <laughs> that's the only Brian's answer defense, I wasn't a farmer when he met me I was still insane <laughs> but um, so there's that he evolved I mean, he knew the possibility for something crazy was there right anyhow we tricked our poor husbands into meeting halfway between us to do a parking lot pig transfer. <laughs> they love us. I love that they were like, oh, you're... The way I described Brian was that he has a beard. Like, that's all... You'll find him. He has a beard. That's, you'll find... Well, what's funny about it is Brian... I think they were going to meet at this one spot, and Brian drove up. He was like, yeah, I drove up to the gas station. I saw the tractor, and, or I saw the, the stock trailer and the big guy, and I knew that must be him. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Because then he's like, All right. he, Brian was like, he said, uh, you're tall. You must be Doug. And then <laughs> Doug's like, you have a beard. You must be Brian. So <laughs> it's literally my favorite. Oh, my gosh. But our poor husband. So See, I don't drive anyways. trailers. There's certain things that cause me way bad anxiety. And that's one of them. I just can't drive trailers because when I was young, I tried to learn. And my mom's boyfriend yelled at me and freaked me out because of it like uh, and yeah. I 
like crunched his truck and then he wouldn't talk to me for a week and I was the worst person in the world. Well, that gave me horrible anxiety and trauma. So I don't drive trailers. Uh So Doug luckily is great. And he's like, oh, I can go meet him. It's no problem. So it worked out really good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm usually the trailer driver between the two of us, but I had stuff. So yeah, it's like on you go. On you go. They figured it out. Yeah. Anyhow, we sent Matilda up to Tara. She lives there now. Yeah. She's super happy. She's and happy P.S. She has a really nice house. She doesn't yeah. really come out of it because it's too hot. <laughs> she's used to Wyoming. Like, this and then weather's full. <laughs> she gets out and it's, you know, 100 degrees. And she's like, no, I'm not doing this. Not today. She'll like it this winter. Yeah. It's a lot warmer here. It's not negative 30. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, got that done. Still no sign of the calf on Virgie. We are officially past three weeks out of the due date now <laughs> oh my gosh that is some like so there's that wicked bad timing on their part for ai especially well i yeah i mean it's a longer story the farm she came from is a strictly guernsey dairy yeah um and then she spent three weeks at an intermittent farm here uh before she came to us and i half wonder if she maybe got bred to something at their house oh no. <laughs> i don't know yeah I know, because it's like we're running out of time for it even to be a possibility that she's still got bread in Iowa mm-hmm. at the dairy. Mm-hmm. So we'll just see. She is getting more milk. Like, it does look like she's slightly bagging up. I mean, by no means is it like this bag looks like go time. Right. But it's definitely a little fuller than it used to be. Um, A little. So I think she's for sure got a calf in there. We'll just sit patiently. Right. And uh, see what happens. <laughs> so there's that. We've had a couple baby heavy weeks as far as doing stuff with a kid in town and um, school stuff and appointments and all of that. So that's taken a little bit. And then I've been doing a ton of stuff with goat's milk with the dairy. So we've been making mozzarella, ricotta, yogurt, buttermilk, and the yogurt. So maybe there's other bad moms out there who could listen to this and <laughs> be like, oh, that's helpful. Um, my life's really busy. I'm sure everybody's life is really busy, right? Yeah. So at some point, uh, when all the animals were dry and we didn't have any milk, I started giving the baby Go-Gurts, right? Which is awful. But, like, she's not quite old enough to use a spoon responsibly by herself. Like, you got to sit there with her yeah. and then wipe it up, and it's a whole deal. And sometimes you just need to make dinner and take the yogurt and go, right? <laughs> so she can handle those all by herself. Uh, but when I started getting milk back in the kitchen, I'm like, I'm not buying that. No. Like, sorry. Right. Sorry, kids. Use this yogurt I made, please. Right. Right. So we did, um, like, the bowl for a couple days. I'm like, this is just, it's just a mess. And it, it's just a mess. So uh, I have these stainless steel cups. And they've got, like, a screw top and a silicone straw in them. And the variety of yogurt, it's the Pima variety from Cultures for Health. And it makes a... They call it a mild drinkable yogurt, and that's exactly what it is. It's like a very thin consistency, but I put that in the cup with a little scoop of jam. Oh, I yeah. I my own jam, yeah. too, so I know what's in there, um, which sweetens it right up, adds a little fruit, and stir it up, screw that on, and there she goes, non-spillable, homemade Drinkable yogurt. yogurt. Cup. Does she? Yeah, so that's, does she, she loves it. Yeah, does she drink it like pretty much every day then? Oh, yeah, at least once a day. Yeah, we have it every morning for breakfast, and then that's sometimes awesome. we'll get it for a snack or that. whatever. And I wisened up. So the first couple times I was making it, I make it once a week. I was doing it like in a 
uh, Pyrex, like a glass, like a st- food storage container, right? Right. Um, and spooning it out, but it's like liquid, right? I just put it in the mason jar, a big old half gallon mason jar. Last oh time yeah. And pour it right in. Oh, that's super, super smart. So that's my mom hack of the hack of the week. So other than that, we went on a little foraging trip and we processed all of our laying roosters, all of our Delaware roosters, which should have been done a while ago. But anyways, got them processed. So I still have it on the list to make all of that. I just put them all in the fridge. Like they're all bagged in in the fridge. Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep one as a roaster, do a whole bunch of them into jerky, and then do a few of them into parts. So I still have to do that. I was going to do it today. I didn't get to it, but... You know, and then the other big piece of news is that we did put the mini jerseys up for sale. Yeah. I'm going to say they sold. I mean, I haven't, they're still here. I haven't collected money for them, but the lady we found for them, she seems amazing. And now it's just a matter of getting the health tests with no veterinarians in the area. Yeah. (laughs) That's the hard part. Accomplishing some of the impossible. Yeah. She, which I know it's the case for you too, but she was like, yeah, I have a bowl going here. And I found out today, and I have a vet coming on Thursday. It's like, how? <laughs> like, if you find a how? good vet, you need to keep them forever. Anyways, and then the preservation stuff. We've I've been collecting mullen flowers off my three little mullen plants. Yeah. <laughs> and just, I just collect them every morning off of the right. um, ones that fall onto the leaves, you know, and put them in a jar in the greenhouse. And every morning I get them. So that's amazing. That's building up. Yeah. Do a, do a, um, ear oil with those and then I did a ton of cherries so I have this I canned a bunch of cherries I have this amazing bread recipe and it's kind of like a a white bread in a way that um, has cherries and milk chocolate chips and white chocolate chips in it sounds so good and you braid it up it's it's so decadent I love it and and we Brian loves it so anyways I I made a point to get us 12 jars of care of cherries so that we can have a loaf a month that's a great idea our little sweet treat. yeah so and the cherries we don't produce the cherries here our cherry trees are a year old so I had to buy them all which is why kind of maybe why the the budgeting of them was right a thing but anyways they look beautiful nothing looks quite as pretty as cherries in a jar yeah so what have you been doing uh we're tracking the cycles for Dixie and then also she has her hoof trimming appointment coming up Friday which will be crazy because we have like three spots to be in Friday at the same time, which is <laughs> on the same day. Yes. So horrendous. So that's coming up. And then the AI, like um, my hay guy, they AI all of their cows. So he's going to do it for me. And he's just trying to figure out tracking, but he's used to beef cows and not dairy cows. And the reason I say that yeah. is because he just notices when cows are jumping on another cow and the cow is standing mm-hmm. and that's how he detects heat. Yeah. So he's totally not used to how I'm like, well, I know she's in heat this day. And I don't think he understands that I can track it with her being just a single cow with a calf because she literally yeah. jumps on my back. So I'm pretty, right. I'm pretty yeah, sure. She's pretty obvious about it. Yeah. And yeah. so I was trying to walk him through that and I think he's got it now, but it's just really cool that I'm able to buy straws. I'm going to be shopping for those soon and keep it at his just- place. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, he has a storage tank for it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, okay. there's plenty of room." So, not a lot of oh, good. not a lot of people do AI here, but um, I'm just really thankful he was willing to do it for my little cow. So <laughs> that's how our guy is too. Like he does all, he does AI on all of his own, and then like bigger ranches, and he's just like polite enough to come do my one cow yeah. here and there, and yeah, gotta be nice to those people too. Yeah, so I'll keep buying hay from him. <laughs> 
do you know do you have a guess when her date is coming up yeah it'll be next week i'm almost sure it'll be like sunday monday oh yeah so i'll just track those days and then for sure get her hopefully in august that is my plan but we will see because with animals plans change every single time you think you have a plan that's just how they are yep they're wild and then my electric fence was down i had to call stephanie's husband poor stephanie's husband brian he's (laughs) he's probably tired of us over here (laughs) in montana (laughs) i mean well i mean us you and me in general probably collectively at this point (laughs) right (laughs) we are a force now we're a unit (laughs) oh i couldn't figure it out so i had to take down all the line to the other one and brian helped a lot but yeah, I had to take all the line down. I think it was old or something because now it's working. Did you end up troubleshooting it how he I did. said? Yes. And that was what told you that that was the problem? Yeah. Yeah, so that helped okay. a lot. I had a grounding yeah. issue sort of. I don't know. It makes no sense. Electricity yeah. makes no sense. But he was very helpful. <laughs> That's what it wants. Yeah. So <laughs> my pigs almost, the boar and his friend almost got out. And it was like a rush to get that done by myself with three kids like following me around. Right. It's always a situation. But if they got out, they'd get shot. So I just needed to like focus on that. It was like an emergency because they were biting the wire and being giant jerks, digging holes under the fence. There's nothing worse than that, (sighs) than having, having uh, fencing issues in general, right? For me, I don't know what's more terrifying, the horses getting out or the pigs. Yeah. But yeah, they're both completely unmanageable. <laughs> right. The only saving they're grace both completely unmanageable. I have is that I have a healer. And so yeah. the calf, when we walk her from the paddock back, she'll not get back in sometimes. And I just have to call the dog and she gets her back in like immediately. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a pig. She'll chase them where they need to be. And I, if we had horses, I'd be the same. Same. So I'm really lucky so that I have a healer. She does all my work for me. <laughs> Brian and I were talking about uh herding dogs yesterday actually yeah so our like uh, our dogs are still young but like sometimes we have hypothetical questions about what our next dog would be you know and um i was saying how it'd be really handy to have a working dog and like this week they have um like the sheep dog fine oh really cattle dog finals yes. in our town that's amazing yeah, um we're the baby and i are going to it tomorrow i think but um, we go every year and it's just super fun to watch, watch it. And, and then you could see how that kind of dog could be really beneficial on your property. Seriously. Right? Like, but then I see what these people go through to get these dogs to behave like that. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I, you got really lucky with a super chill one. I've been around so many herding dogs that are like so intense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I could do that. Yeah. She required a lot yeah. of training, but like a healer, as far as being faithful to your family is the utmost best. Yeah. Like yeah. she's amazing. If my husband tries to like go grab at me just like playfully or the kids she'll like go to bite his pants just to protect so that is a thing but she's very protective yeah um and i kind of love that yeah totally so totally i couldn't she's a good girl she is a good girl she knows we're talking about her too (laughs) she's sleeping but (laughs) she's out (laughs) so i i'm just really thankful that we were able to get that done yeah and oh the last thing is the extension office friend of mine, she asked if I could do a homestead mm-hmm. tour slash foraging tour. And I was like, sure, I have plenty of time. So yes, of course I'll do this. <laughs> of course. As as I am. And I was like, you know what? You know what would make it even more fun? Let's have a milking cow demo. That'll be great. And it was super stressful because I was like, my cow's going to be an asshole. But 
she did really good and she did yeah. poop, but I kind of expected that. And everyone was like super yeah. fascinated and they couldn't believe how clean I kept the milk. Like it was, I guess they expect it to be really dirty just because it's a hand milking type situation. But yeah, if you have it down, you can really keep it really, really clean. And I guess a lot of people yeah, just haven't totally. seen that. Um, if you hear that, it's my dog in the back, one of my dogs in the background. I apologize. He can't help it. He can't help it. He's a pug. <laughs> So that was really good. And I think everyone had fun. It kind of got hot and some people were like too hot, but it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And when you're acclimated to working in the heat, because like I said, that fence, it couldn't wait. It was, you know, a hundred degrees. So I still had to get it done. But now I'm used to the heat and I'm like, it's fine. hundred degrees. No problem. It's fine. fine. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. We saw a lot of yarrow, mullein, pineapple weed, mallow. I do have a little patch of chickweed too, which I was super excited about because chickweed is so hard oh, yeah. to find here for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I can't find it here either. It's so hard to find. And everyone's always like, oh, it's a dime a dozen. You can find it everywhere. And so yeah. if I find chickweed, I get extra excited. In fact, there's yeah. some at the pool park here and I go and check on it every single time I go to the park. <laughs> Make sure the chickweed <laughs> is growing. Awesome. So yeah, it was fun. And I think a lot of people learned a lot of stuff and... People want to be my friends, but I'm introverted, so you know, just sorry. Just keep trying. I'll come around eventually. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, that's awesome. I'm glad you did. I think the educational piece is so such a great way to give back. And uh, when you're busy, you can't do it all the time. That's normal, right? Yeah. But to be able to do that once a year or here and there or whatever, I think it's important. Yeah, and especially you and I work. We're self-taught with basically almost everything that we do. And that's what I was trying to explain right. to them. Like I am self-taught and it was really hard to get here with all of this. So yeah. if I can help you in any way, please let me. So this week we are just going to kind of do like a little garden chat. And part of it is to catch up on each other's garden because we really haven't talked about it together. And the other part is that hopefully we can teach each other something along the way and share some tips with you guys or better yet, maybe we'll present a problem and somebody else will have a solution yes. to that problem. So. Send us solutions. That's my favorite. Good golly. So anyways, how are you happy with your garden this year? How's it going? Okay. So with a garden, I just feel like everything's not going to grow perfectly a hundred percent of the time. And that's kind of a right. missed, I guess, oversight of it. So when I see like gardens on TikTok or Instagram, they look perfect and they look really tall and everything's healthy. Their tomatoes are doing well. Their cucumbers are doing well. And I think that's really frustrating because like right now my cucumber plant's very tiny, which I mm-hmm. almost guarantee I'm not going to get any cucumbers out of it. So Because it's too hot? Well, that and it's or just why? too behind. It's just too behind oh, okay. to produce anything before frost. So whatever that's a lost cause but my sunflowers right now are banging they're amazing and so you really just got to take the good with the bad and some things are going to work out some years and some things are not going to work out some years and overall like if you look at my garden you know I have ADHD but I've embraced it and I kind of let the weeds go if they're not bothering anything like I have a bunch of purslane that's growing that I'll eat while I'm weeding bigger plants that are choking out, but the purslane doesn't get pulled and it's right under the snap ease and they're living happily together. So right. what about you? Well, Brian makes fun of me because I uh, have looked at my garden this entire season and been like, it, we're not going to have any food. Like nothing's going to grow. This is this is a failure. <laughs> we're going to starve. I Look do that every dying. time. Look, that's dying. Yeah. I know. And Brian's like, <laughs> Brian, I, we had a friend over and I was just saying, 
yeah, and then this didn't work. And then like, look at this. This is short. Like, why is that short? And then this one over here, that's awful. And Brian looked at his friend and he goes, we're doomed. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't going to make it through the winter. (laughs) So, but here's the thing. So I have had, like last year, our garden was successful beyond reason. Yes. Like it was successful for unknown reasons because we're not nearly experienced enough to have a garden that successful. Uh, The weather, it, it, I mean, it didn't get above 50 until July and it was 21 degrees in the middle of August. Yes. So like (laughs) there was no reason that last year's garden should have worked, but it did for whatever reason. This year, it's been almost the exact opposite in that the entire month of June, it was above 90, which we normally don't hit 90 in an entire year. Anyhow, so it, it, it was been interesting to see. I mean, most of what I plant is cold crops. Like most of what I plant in the dead of summer is what most people plant, like a spring and fall rotation. Like oh, broccoli, that's interesting. for example, or peas. Like most of that stuff is dead of summer for me because that's when I have a normal temperature. <laughs> Your dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're not being noisy. They're just ridiculous. <laughs> They're like having like a war in the background of Tara's screen right now. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, normally I plant those, the cold stuff. I mean, that's my main crop because it is so cold here. This year, however, the rows and rows and rows and rows that I planted of broccoli, all, well, all the brassicas really, and then the lettuces, spinach, chard, um, all of the greens, that kind of stuff, it either never germinated or just went straight to bolting. Oh, I yeah. I had that problem so, too with broccoli. Did you yeah, really this year? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think everybody was hot in June, which is not... It's unreasonable. You know, not normal. Yeah. So when you were saying that, like, that's just kind of how it is, it's like, it's that thing. Um, one of my favorite YouTubers, her name's Jess at Roots and Refuge. But I remember watching one of her videos and she was talking specifically about cucumbers and how she plants um, just an insane amount of cucumbers. And... She's like, yeah, we're a family of this many. It may seem insane to have this many cucumbers, but she's like, I've had years that are a cucumber year and I've had years that are not a cucumber year. Yeah. And there'll be years where I don't, you know, I plant this much and I don't get a single cucumber. And then there's years where I plant this much. I have cucumbers like piled in the corners of my house, you know, she's like, I got cucumbers <laughs> everywhere. And so she's like, in that case, she's like, I just pickle, a, you know, a lot of them. I pickle and can a lot on the good years. And then when we have a bad year, it doesn't hurt because we have the cucumbers in the pickles. That's how we like them. We have the pickles set aside. Right. And I just thought that was so wise because here I am, I sold all of my broccoli last year, but here I am, I'm going to have no broccoli and broccoli might be my favorite. It's so good. Yes. Yeah. We do like all these broccoli salad kind of things all, all summer. And uh, And now you can stores so well. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, it's just one of those things where it's a good reminder to next year I'll plant a lot and do and do better at preserving. And that's, I mean, that's part of what our pre- preservation challenge is about too. So Absolutely. Anyways, but I have like, well, I have two empty rows in my garden from where all the greens were supposed to be. And then I have two rows of broccoli that's all just went straight to bolting. Yes. I haven't pulled them because the bees love broccoli yeah. flowers for whatever reason and they're, i think it's really really pretty too so i just leave them if they bolt because yeah. it's not hurting anything like i'm not going to use that space anyway no, no. and it's yeah. kind of fun to see if a broccoli baby does produce in that spot next year yeah i uh was real excited to collect seeds last year on my broccoli that i let bolt and uh it killed them before it ever got to the seeding point so oh, we'll see if it does this year yeah 
Yeah. I had so many plants last year because it was, I mean, it was like between 21 and 23 degrees for four days. And it was like August 14th or something. Right. It was the dead center of August. I remember that. Crazy. Could, yeah. I did everything I could. Couldn't save it. So anyways, what about your germination? Were you happy with all that? Because we tried a whole, you and I both tried a whole bunch of different seed companies. I was not happy with my germination at all. I Across the board? Pretty much. Yeah. I've had. So that was my, my experience too. I don't know what it is. Like, was it the mailing? I think it's just a bad year. For germination on seeds? From, mine was from multiple different companies. I can't blame a company. Yeah. I I can specifically say two. I won't say their names because I think in general they're good. Yeah. And the seeds that I got from them, other seeds were great. It's just this one. It was yeah. like I planted eight squashes. Not a one came up. And yeah. I waited a couple weeks. Not one. And I... Yeah. I picked it up, like I dug it up. I was like, what is going on? I know I planted them. Like you lose your mind kind of. You're like, I know I yeah. planted them. So I dug them up and then I felt yeah. the seed and it was like wet and slimy. It wasn't doing anything. So weird. it was super weird. And everything else yeah. sprouted in the area. So yeah, I just think I had a hard time with that. With plants that I tried to start with like the sunflowers and everything, they've been absolutely perfect. Yeah. Uh, they just took care of themselves. I actually had to weed a bunch out. So Self-seeding, excellent. Me planting, yeah. terrible. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah, I had I had similar results. I um, I mean, my biggest story, well, I, I said I lost all of my lettuces and stuff, and that was, I mean, all of it was, I probably did 30 different types of things in there and didn't have any of it. So two things that could be that could have just been, it was just entirely too hot for those seeds to want to participate with me. Yeah. Or because, so essentially I did 60 foot, six, two, I did a total of 60 foot and I got two lettuces and like three Swiss chards. Oh, geez. Like just really out bad. of that entire yeah. section. So uh, yeah, I mean, I could have something going on in my soil for sure in those two rows for whatever reason. And it could have just been too hot for the stuff I planted there. It's hard to say. Yeah. Also, I think there in particular, because those were some of the first things coming up. I think I might have got beaten up by birds harder than I usually do, which my lesson has just been just to cover them. Yeah. Um, but you have like crazy, so it's hard to say crazy too. amounts of birds. I really do. I have a lot of birds um, and I've never made it a big deal to get rid of them because I have zero pests and I've never had any vegetable damage. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's one of my theories is that it could have been this year was just such a weird year. And potentially they got my seedlings. I've never covered those seedlings before. Yeah. Though, you know, so it's hard to say. It is hard to say. But that next year, that'll be something I do to rule that out anyways, is cover up. Just throw Agrabond until everything's established. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing that I'm like the most disappointed about was corn, especially because if we were going to go grow corn at all, it would be this year where like daily temps have been 20 degrees above yeah. normal for the last <laughs> you could, two months. You could go outside, um, outside and like hear your corn growing in Wyoming, Could which have is actually crazy. grown corn this yeah. year. Yeah. So two years ago, our very first garden ever, we grew corn and we're smart about it. Selected a nice hybrid because that's the only way to do it here. And I was bringing corn into... Some older people used to live at our house and so, or own our house. And so I have like a big handicap ramp into my house, yes, which is fantastic when you are bringing wheelbarrows of corn into the literal kitchen. Oh my gosh. That's a ton. Um, I brought, I, I mean, we had so much corn 
Uh, last year with, again, the freeze that everybody's tired of hearing about, I, I couldn't save them. I had easy up canopies around them. I had Agrabon around them. I had everything I could think <laughs> yeah. of. Couldn't save them. So again, what Jess says, you have years where you're going to have and you have years where you're not. So I was really excited about corn this year because it was very apparent how warm it was early on in the season. And well, by golly, we might actually have a chance. And I normally order my corn from Johnny's. Yeah. Every year I get the same variety. I know it works. Um, and this year, because of COVID, Johnny's had it where you could like, had to be a commercial grower in order to order at all for a little while. And then it, like by the time they switched it to home, home growers could order on these days. It was like I already, I just got patient ordered from somewhere else. Oh, right? yeah. Something that I thought would be a comparable product. I had maybe a 20% germination rate. Jeez. Maybe. Right. And that, the corn rose, they had irrigation placed on them right away and were also covered in Agrabon within minutes of planting them. So that was not birds. That was not, they got too dry. Um, the only thing I can think of on there is that it had to have been the seeds. Mm -hmm. So I have corn. The corn that is there looks amazing. Yeah. Which is so discouraging because it's like, if I had all God, of this. The problem is it's so spread out. It's not a one windstorm is going to take them out yeah. because they're not going to be around each other. They're not supporting each other. To support themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then secondly, they're sporadic enough. I'm curious if they'll even be able to cross pollinate. How did you, do but, you sprout yours before you plant it in the ground? I, so I never have. That's I always our, do. Our friend who came through, right. Our friend that came through had said that. I was like, well, that's fine, but I never have done that. Yeah, so I just learned this from my mom is just take a plate and then you put a paper towel mm -hmm. on it and then you wet the paper towel yep. and then you sprout it and you just yep. keep wetting the paper towel. It's worked great for me yep. and it's worked for my mom for literally years and years. So, yeah. And that way, no, he said the exact same thing. I know which ones because you're always going to have some that don't germinate. It's kind of like proofing your yeast. The reason you do it is yeah, so you can see yeah. what doesn't sprout. Yeah, and I, I mean, I potentially I'll try that next year because there's no time to redo it in our season. No. Um, I've just had, like, maybe a 95% germination rate on my corn every year. Yeah, that's like amazing. the corn has been not an issue at all. Right. So this year I'm just pretty sad about it. But it is what it is. It's That patch is now growing a lot of mallow. Right. Well, <laughs> that's edible, too. I haven't weeded it. Ugh. I could feed like 17 families on the amount of mallow that my property grows. <laughs> That's amazing. It's the curse. I, I don't know what it is, but like um, I have another friend in the valley who also bought an old dairy and her place is just plagued, plagued with it too. I think it's nitrogen. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, it's like these old dairy properties just are riddled with mallow. So yeah. Anyways, I mean, the mall is not bad. It's right. We've talked about it. It's beneficial, but just gets to be so much. <laughs> it's too much. Too much. So much of it. So speaking of weeds, who's winning over there? Oh, that's a you good the question. Weed. No, actually, I think <laughs> – so it's interesting. I have an in-ground garden, and then I have a bunch of square foot gardens. And it's not even the weeds that are driving me insane. It's the grass. Yeah. Grass the only grass is... grows where you don't want it to. Mm -hmm. It's a pain I in told the Brian ass. that our pastures, like, they could be – the grass could be better, right? It's It's real patchy. I'm like, I'm going to freaking go plant some raspberries out there. Yeah. It'll be grass. you do that and it will swallow the whole pasture. <laughs> All you got to do is just put a couple raspberry plants I would where like, you want your grass to right. grow. I would like my zinnias <laughs> to grow right here 
therefore right. grass will grow around it. Right, exactly. So the only thing is... Yeah, grass is the worst. The in-ground garden is doing great because I put a whole bunch of straw down, and I'm trying that. I think it... Is it like garden... I don't remember what the technical term for it. You're just... Instead of having bare ground, you're adding yeah. matter to the soil and you're also covering it so weeds can't come up. It's been phenomenal because yeah. if a weed does pop up, it's so easy to spot and then you just pull it and it's very rare for seeds to sprout or plants to sprout out that aren't supposed to be there. I love it. I love doing it that way. Are you, you have to have that straw on there really thick, right? It's not that thick. Again, Seriously. I just did my roost out like whatever. I'm doing it this my, my way. I do everything that yeah. way. And it's not very thick because I kind of got, not lazy, but I had other things to do and I was distracted. So I didn't put a very thick layer on there. No. And it's I had like well. a moderate grass problem in my raspberry plant patch until I put the straw down to suffocate what yeah. grass was there. Yeah. And now I have an unfixable amount of grass in the raspberry patch. It was like, the grass was like, oh, this is so cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it just... It took over. I didn't have that experience, but I was also dealing with a pretty big problem at the beginning. And I think I needed to have mine thicker. Yeah. I guess anyway, since I rototill that a lot, it's different for me, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, because my patch wasn't, because it had existing raspberries in it. I like the in-ground garden better. The square foot garden, it just is growing so much grass, but it's at the time of the year for me where my actual plants that I'm growing for vegetables are taller, so I don't really worry about everything else. Yeah, That's always been a system that I like because it's like my vegetables and my flowers are just drowning out everything else. It works out really well. And some people go in there and they're like, oh my God, it's so weedy, but it always works out for me, so I'm not going to change my habits. Right. What about you? No, totally. <laughs> totally. Well, the the garden's been a little, it's been way weedier than it normally is. I'm also normally fairly psychotic about it because I normally have farm tours and stuff constantly. I'm not doing that this year. So it's been um, to where I've been able to divert my attention more to doing stuff with the kid as opposed to being psychotic about the weeds. Right. Now, what I'll say is like everything does need done again. So instead of doing like an hour of weeding every single day. I'm doing like big sweeps through it every several weeks, you know, yeah. and every week it gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier. You can absolutely tell the areas where we have drip irrigation versus the areas where we overhead water, which is huge. Um, the areas that we have the drip irrigation, we, I haven't hit them in a month, maybe two months. Eh, not that long. <laughs> the garden hasn't been there that long, but there's no weeds in there. Yeah. It's like you hit them once and they're done. Right. The overhead water, you hit them once and then you hit him again and then you hit him again and then you hit him again <laughs> right just keeps coming back so that's like yes. as far as the biggest hack that i found is that drip irrigation is huge and the other thing that i had just learned about last year and i think brian was the one who actually found out about it somehow through youtube or whatever but we bought a hula hoe or a stirrup weeder and we both love that thing now it's better at the thread stage of weeds but like Mallow, it gets to the point where you can't get it out of the ground no. anymore. And so you just chop its head off a couple times and then it goes away. Right. You know what I mean? So even on the bigger ones, it's done great. But we can go through. I, I used to do all of my weeding, like hands and knees kind of weeding. And with that thing, you can just kind of buzz buzz through a row pretty quickly. Oh, that's so, so cool. If anybody's looking for a little tool, I think they were like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. Totally I mean, worth it. Investment, yeah. But yeah, that's been like the only tool that I've found 
other than like you know i haven't tried any of the several hundred dollar weeding systems <laughs> right as far as like yeah but anyways you're but you're right some of the weeds just live there and it's fine you know mm-hmm. you don't worry about it especially if they're beneficial i have mullein growing in my flower bed uh, yeah well it's pretty it. yeah like yeah. just it's Leave gorgeous it. and every morning there's like 10 bees on each mullein plant yes and it's they just, love it it's stunning. So anyways, I'm, you know, I grow weeds amongst things sometimes intentionally. So right. They're so beneficial that's, though. That's like know. the purslane. It's my only patch of purslane. Mm-hmm. So it gets to live there. Like I'm happy to see it every morning. Yeah. It tastes good. I really, really want to try that pickling of the purslane in yeah. pickle juice. I think it would be good. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. We don't have any purslane, so I've never had it. Yeah. It's more of a hot crop, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things too, where it's like everybody, it grows everywhere. Yeah. But for <laughs> all you. over the country, anybody can find it. <laughs> Not me. Anyways. Um, so you said you lost your, no broccoli for you. Have you lost anything else? Basil, purple basil. For some reason it always dies. I always try to grow I've it. I've never got purple basil to grow past like three inches. It gets maybe. really sad when you transplant it. I think it just doesn't transplant very well. Yeah. So gonna, I have big dreams to grow it inside of my kitchen this winter. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. It's it's a fickle one. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no. Everything else seems to be doing really well. Both my I mean my green basil's failing this year too. It's just not warm enough for basil here. I even put it in the greenhouse and it's not it's not happy. Thriving. Yeah. Mm-mm. Now I did find a holy basil plant, which I've never grown before, and that thing's like taken off. Is it it is in the greenhouse. Does it have but... holes in it or is it like religious? No, H O L Y. Oh, it's holy. holy. Yeah. Oh. Yes. You should pray to it. <laughs> but it's doing fantastic. That's I awesome. I haven't even harvested yet. It's beautiful. Have you tasted yeah, it? A picture, but nope. I want to see it. I've done none of the sorts. Yes. I did find a drink recipe for it, but anyways. You we'll have see. to try it. I'm dying to see what it is see like. See if I get around to that. Yeah, it was like holy basil and mint. And I was like, ooh. Yummy. Sounds nice. A mojito. Mojito. <laughs> yeah. So we lost all of our broccoli and all of our greens. And I think the... Corn will be a loss this year. Other than that, I haven't considered anything a complete failure. The cauliflower has not shown any signs of a head, which tells me it's probably not going to. Yeah. Uh, This happened last year, too. The year before that, I had cauliflower coming out of my ears. That's hilarious. So it's just a... You keep trying, and I haven't figured out what the deal is on cauliflower. Like, it doesn't like it if it's cold. It doesn't like (laughs) it if it's hot. It's a fickle one, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then my cabbage, I've been very surprised, is still holding on. Wow. Last year, I had some bolting issues with it at certain times because um, it doesn't like heat either. But it's it's forming heads, so we'll see. I lost all mine last year to slugs. It was just like insane amount of slugs, so I couldn't eat it. That's what I'll say about living here. The cold is awful, right? And it does make gardening really hard. Yeah. Also, we don't have a single slug. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> no slugs live here. Yeah, we've, yeah, we have a lot. So it's like you, you win some, you lose yeah. some, you know? <laughs> and you've harvested strawberries. Have you harvested anything else? Strawberries. Snap peas. We're eating a lot of that. But again, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we just eat out of the garden. Like my kids will load their pockets yeah. and then go do chores with me, i.e. stare Mine at me. just got ready. Oh, really? My, my snap peas. Yeah, I just had the first one yesterday. Oh, so good. Yeah, so, so we have that coming in. And then basil. And then I think I'm going to start cutting sunflowers because the ones I grow are multiple heads. They're not one heads. And I have enough now yeah. I can cut. I love to make bouquets for myself. And I can start harvesting the dill yeah. now. And then sage yeah. and lemon balm. I use those for bouquets too. I love making bouquets. Yarrow, I'll use that for bouquets as well. So I'm going to start yeah. doing that. But 
other than the big things, I haven't had any zucchini yet. And I'm really hoping that I will get some here soon because I ordered a specific breed that's like breed. Wow. Specific variety that's good for Montana summers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. We have um, just the start of flowers on our zucchini plant. By that, I mean like just the bud of the flower. You know, yeah. I mean? it's not even open or anything, but you can tell there's, there's a little promise in there. I'm really wanting some zucchini, like fried up zucchini something like that so good i'm thinking yeah. about it now yeah we do like a um zucchini kind of skillet thing like sauteed the zucchini on the stove in the cast iron skillet and then i usually go out and harvest a bunch of spinach and make a spinach pesto oh yeah i won't have any spinach but that's like our favorite zucchini zucchini that dish, sounds delicious i'll have to find something else to make a pesto out of <laughs> right There's plenty of options right yeah All right. And then do you do, um, so this is something I've never really done. I'm curious if you have, do you do any mid season fertilizer or is there any like mid season maintenance you do in particular? No, I think. Yeah, I don't either. Whatever you'll gather from me, if I can project this very well, I do very hands off gardening. So I'll get everything going Mm -hmm. and I'll weed to the point where they're able to live and then water obviously and pick when needed. But I like to just have a hands off approach Unless something's yeah. absolutely dire, I don't see a need to step in. I kind of have the opposite, but <laughs> not with fertilizing, though. No, I've never but had like to. I, I do this really big, intense tomato trellising, and I do a lot of intense weeding. That's probably unnecessary. Yeah, and I... So there's certain things I'm opposite about anyways. I can get like that, but over the f- mm-hmm. past few years, it's just like, this is working yeah. for me, and I'm getting enough food, so I'm not going to kill myself yeah. doing this, because... Once you have older kids, it's like you have a thousand places to be, even in summer. So totally. It's so hard yeah, to keep worse up. Worse in summer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. do the bare minimum where I can. Yeah. <laughs> we do a big, we spread a bunch of fertilizer, or a bunch of compost in the spring before we get yeah. the beds prepared. But that's all we do. Yeah. All year. If it's lucky, it gets hit in the fall after things are pulled. But like last year, I didn't even pull everything. Mm-hmm. I just let it sit. So two things I wanted to ask you in particular you your pollinator garden are you ready for a pollinator garden update yes i haven't heard anything about it i haven't seen any pictures there's a reason i did start it oh okay i i hauled dirt to this place i made a nice little rock area Mm -hmm. for it and the dirt is yeah picture this i have free-ranging guineas and chickens okay the dirt is nice and floofy and it's no longer wet and i had a bunch of seeds coming up i was super stoked and they just went and had yeah. a whole bunch of dirt baths in it because I didn't cover it with anything. Uh-huh. They're usually good about not yeah. getting into it. So, yeah, it's all ruined. But sad. what I think I'm going to do next year is plant like a pokey bush with something with thorns on it right there and then plant those and then put uh, – I have like this bird netting over it. Yeah, yeah. And then it'll establish and keep reseeding and they'll just stay out of it because I think that the ground will be – not as soft and floofy if I keep doing that. Right. So I'm not once it's up giving up my pollinator garden yeah. dreams just yet. Good. Yeah. Good. Our we have like a little flower garden in front of the greenhouse. Yeah. And last year it was nothing. It was like right, just rock lines with a bunch of dirt, like you're saying. And this year I got the seeds in so late, but it didn't really matter because it had seeded it itself seeded so extensively that like the whole garden is filled in and lush and in flower and I mean it's just it's it's really remarkable to me that how hard I worked for it last year yes I mean I 
fussed. I watched. I, I mean, it was like a deal. And this year it was like, it was just there for me. So it was, that was one of the most rewarding things this year. Yeah. It's like, start yourself a flower garden and you're going to think it takes a lot of work, but if you pick the right stuff, it'll just do its thing next year. Yeah. I would love to see that. Did you, really cool. did you plant I, a lot of poppies? There, yeah. It's, it's overloaded with poppies. Ugh, I'm so jealous. Poppies and these little orange flowers. I don't even know what they are, but they smell out of this world good. Yeah. And then a bunch of flax. I have a bunch of flax. I don't even remember that having that last year. How hilarious. But it's beautiful too. Yeah. yeah. And then interesting, there's little tiny echinacea plants all the way oh. through it. And what's interesting about that is so last year I did just this like wildflower. I did a wildflower mix and then I did a, a specific bee feed mix, right? And I don't remember seeing echinacea at all last year. So something, but I haven't planted new seeds. So something happened where that echinacea seed sat for the year. That's and amazing. it came up this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure where it came from or how it happened. But anyways, I'm not complaining about <laughs> it. I don't have any flowers. I mean, they're just really little plants, but the poppies Have you seen that unreal. San Francisco wild, native wild flower? He just rides a skateboard and he has a Parmesan shaker full of wildflowers that are native to California. And oh. he finds like little patches in a sidewalk, you know, where they we're growing a yeah. tree or whatever and he shakes it there yeah. and he's been doing this for like a couple years and he'll go by places and they're filled with like echinacea flowers like you're saying oh, wow. and yeah these bee friendly things are just taking over I love that I think it's such a cool thing I really want to get yeah. into it but I live rurally and I love living rurally but <laughs> some things of urban gardening really appeal to me like yeah could you imagine walking out of a store and just seeing a little patch of happy flowers like that it was so cool yeah no absolutely and it seems there's aspects of urban gardening that's like oh a small space just seems so manageable yes like you could just do it all and do it well um and you don't have guineas to take dirt baths in it, it. exactly <laughs> and then there's aspects of it where it was like oh man it's this tiny little space though how am I gonna get a food out of it yeah and, all the creative ways people overcome that. And it's just, it's really cool. Urban gardening. Is, it is, I think. Yeah. So you're, hopefully this one's not a failure too, or you'll make me stop asking you questions. <laughs> Your medicinal tea area. Did you, did you make a special area for that? Or was that just mixed in? It was mixed into my herb garden. Cause I had a little patch. Okay. However, yeah. the dill that self-seeded last year kind of took yeah. over. Um, and I didn't as it does. manage it as well as I should have, but mm -hmm. For some reason, I'm always thinking that next year I'll have more time. And so, right. again, I'm in that mindset right. that next year, surely I'll have more time to have a medicinal tea garden. Right. But I'm not giving up hope because my son and I will use our herb books to look up like, okay, yeah. he had a sore stomach the other day. So we looked yeah. up what we could use in a tea to help him. And one of the things mm -hmm. was lemon balm. So yeah. I already have these things. I don't need to. Right. I mean, I, I want yeah. to expand, but I just need to be mindful that I already have a lot of it. So that's yes, been kind of fun. Yes, and learn how to use what you have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did you start any medicinal tea items? Well, I'm kind of the same. So I had one of my other, I mean, like the flower garden blew me away. My other biggest success from last year to this year is I, out of like 20 sage plants I had, one of them overwintered. Wow. And this thing Yay. is stunning. It's just cold enough here that it just has to be in like the perfect placement for it to go. Yeah. But this thing's like three times. I mean, last year it was like four sprigs maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? This year it's like a, a clump. It's like a little bush. Yeah. Like acting it out. Yeah. 
and it's flowering just the most beautiful flowers and they have I'm such so proud of that beautiful so, flowers like those purple yeah nice flowers yeah and so for me like that's been something too that I have been doing it's like I have a lot already established and learning how to use it all and then I had like this designated raised bed that was my herb garden right and I love the idea of that that you can just stand kind of waist high and float through it yeah you know like all the smells and but I lost most of what was in there oh, no. and I have to believe that's because raised beds are just that much colder yeah over winter than an in-ground option so I did start a whole bunch of things again in ground like a couple different varieties of thyme tarragon some sage I'm trying so the one that lived was in the raised bed so I'm trying another one in the ground um some different things like that the lemon balm I lost all of that but I was kind of stupid about it so anyways and my oregano didn't make it either. So I'm hoping that the in-ground option will yield me a little bit better results. But I do have quite a bit still. And then I had made, well, on the tea front in particular. Last year I had this beautiful little tiny patch of chamomile. And that was like one of my pride and joys last year. And chamomile, I mean, they warn you it can be a weed, right? Right. <laughs> now it's your and dog's. So- yeah what was that um it's funny and so anyways they're like plant it somewhere you can you know really monitor that it doesn't take over I didn't have a single chamomile flower come oh up this no year. not a single one so but I think it was my fault where the chamomile was it was an area that I over I watered from top there's no drip irrigation so I hadn't started watering it until I started planting stuff there forgetting about the fact that there could be seeds sitting there yeah anyways and it was just I mean we, didn't, we haven't had rain in months so I think it was just too dry, potentially, if the seeds were there. That's my theory. But So I'll start over on the chamomile next year because that is one thing that I love. I got a bunch of lavender bushes to come through, um, which is a feat here. Really? Um, over winter. Wow. Yep. So they're right on the edge, too. One of my girlfriends who's a fantastic gardener, she's like, yeah, you'll get lavender for about three or four years, and then you'll have a bad winter, and it'll be done, oh. you know? So um, anyways, but... They, they made it and they, they're doing beautiful. They're just starting to get their little buds right now. Yeah. And that's another like staple tea item, I think. And then I started this whole raised bed. Again, I may regret that of like <laughs> specifically medicinal herbs that I kind of went a little nuts ordering <laughs> and did this whole, whole space and all these different just kind of weird things that are highly specifically medicinal. Yeah. So, I love that kind of stuff. And I kind of went at it not as a, like, oh, man, I have heartburn. What's good for heartburn? I'll plant that. It just was like, oh, that's good for that. What if I ever have that one yeah. day? <laughs> like, I just, and most of these things are beautiful and the self-sustaining once they get, you know, get going. Yeah. That, to me, that's good enough. But anyways, that poor bed's being taken over by weeds at the moment. I need to go tend to it. Weeds will do that. They do that. But... Yeah, overall, it's been an interesting year, I'd say. Yeah, I think I had better luck last year, but also we were just home the whole time. Like, we couldn't go anywhere. Right now, I'm dealing with, like, camps and swimming lessons and Mm -hmm. therapy for my littlest. It's a whole thing. And balancing animals, like, plants, if they die because you didn't water them, like, you don't feel like a giant piece of shit. But, right, like, animals always need water. (laughs) So they as it turns out. Yeah, I I feel like sometimes – it's not a balancing act per se. It's just like a, I'm always going in a circle, making sure everything is good. And yes, if it's too weedy, yeah. oh well, whatever, it's fine. Right? Yeah, no, I get that for sure. So, anyways, hopefully 
somebody found this little chat interesting and yeah, found some helpful tidbits in it. And sometimes, you know, part of our experience here on the podcast is to be educational and helpful. And part of it's just to share what we're doing. Right. You know? And I think that that's important too. Yeah. So. I'd love to see everyone's pictures of their gardens right now. And yeah, let's do a garden update. Let's do, and you and I do Instagram stories or something of it. Yeah. Bars about. Yeah. And okay. a, another thing I'm really interested in is like real life garden update. Don't go and fix everything to look Instagram perfect. Like show us the real yeah. side of gardening. I think if you're new, right. that's even more encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Because I don't feel so defeated if I see other people who have yeah. not perfect gardens. Right. Maybe that's an idea. Just think about it. And if your picture is pretty, that's cool too. Like, I want to see it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're actually good at this, sure, send it our way. Yeah. We'll post it. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, gosh. Well, that's. Yeah, no, that'll be fun. Let's do a community garden update. Let's this week. do it. Milkmaid's version. Okay. Done. Well, that's our podcast. Until next time. Happy milking. Happy milking. Bye.